Welcome to The Power of Stories, a podcast by women, about women, and for women. Their voices and their stories. I am Sharon Catherine D'Agostino, a passionate advocate for the empowerment of women and girls everywhere and the founder of SayItForward.org. And I'm Yodit Kifle-Smith, a creative dedicated to making sure the voices and stories of women are heard. I have the privilege of working with Sharon on SayItForward.org to do just that. In this podcast, you will meet courageous women from around the world whose unique path to empowerment will leave you encouraged and inspired. Today, we're grateful to talk with Essie Makichi, joining us from Dublin, Ireland. Essie is a young South African who has lived in Austria, France, Canada, Belgium, and now Ireland, only to find out that people want the same things, love and respect. She works in the tech industry to make the tools we use safer and more equitable for all. Essie, welcome. Um, Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Yodi. It's such an honor to be here, and I'm so excited to have this discussion with you. So thank you for having me. We're thrilled that you're here with us, Essie, and we have so many questions for you. (laughs) I'd like to start with what brought you from your home in South Africa to your new home in Ireland? If I had to sum it up, I'd have to say endless curiosity. I grew up in South Africa. It's a beautiful place if you've never been. And I had studied computer science there. And I was so interested by all the the different things that you could do with uh, technology and the way you can create worlds with nothing. I mean, if you have the privilege to have access to a computer and the internet, you could really do anything and there was no restrictions, no barriers. It's kind of the great equalizer. And I had, you know, been so enthralled by programming and I kind of found myself in these spaces where I was the only black girl and it became harder and harder to join discussions. So I thought maybe programming wasn't my thing, but I I was still interested in technology. So I applied for this internship for the UN when I was 22. So I moved to Vienna in Austria. And that was amazing. The UN was so great, so multicultural, multinational. And I was working in the nuclear industry. And that was so great that technology was helping to make um, nuclear proliferation more safe. So that was a really interesting time and very, very exciting time. And then I kind of followed my interest in um, international law enforcement. So I did an internship at Interpol in France, and that was that was fantastic. I learned so much, um, mostly about myself and the way the world works and resiliency. But it was a bit too heavy, didn't sit well with my spirit. So I moved to Montreal in Canada and worked in aviation, um, specifically in safety of aviation. And then there was some turbulent times in aviation at the time of the Boeing crisis. So I moved to Brussels and I was working in um, development cooperation. And that was fantastic as well. But I had kind of met my maximum in my career there. So I am now in Dublin, Ireland, working for a large tech company, working in the child safety space. So I think I've always just 
been drawn to follow my passions and been really excited by things and um my career doesn't really make sense to anyone from the outside but I kind of have never really cared about what other people think and followed my passions and now I'm here and that's my journey from South Africa to Dublin. You've used the expression a job didn't sit well with your spirit and so you needed to change jobs. What do you mean when you say that? The most important relationship that you'll ever have is with yourself and your soul and how you feel about whatever you're doing. All the decisions that you make in your life are going to be your own and you'll have to answer to them and be accountable for them. So you should feel comfortable with everything that you're making. And as a part of that, I also think that it's so important to forgive yourself because uh, I tend to be my harshest critic. And that just makes me a terrible critic because I look back and I always think about, oh, that was a terrible mistake, but I'm not looking at everything as a whole. If I was, that would make me a good critic. So I think it's mostly just being comfortable with the decisions that you make and you know, moving forward with that conviction that you're doing something that is true to yourself. You have this confidence to just take a step to wherever you feel like you're being led and like what cultivated that endless curiosity and confidence in you? I don't really know what it is inside of me that draws me to things. But once I get fixated on something, I really, really go for it. And I have all these fears internally. And <laughs> I think all the fears that I have are misplaced. Because moving to another country where you don't speak the language should be a big fear, but it never even crossed my mind that that would be something potentially fearful. I think growing up, I was always a bit of an outsider, an outcast, and if you don't fit in somewhere, um, if you don't fit in anywhere, you can fit in everywhere. So I've always had this inclination to learn about different types of people, different types of experiences and backgrounds. So I think that's why I've kind of gone ahead with those things. You often found yourself to be the only like Black person within the communities that you found yourself in. And I'm curious to learn how you still believe that you belong there. And I wonder also how other people played a role in, in helping you know and believe that you belong there. It mostly has to do with my upbringing. My parents have been so adamant that I belong everywhere and that I should have my voice anywhere. Growing up in a post-apartheid uh, society in South Africa, where integration was difficult and uh, you would find yourself in all these conflicts and having to, to defend your place in all sorts of spaces, whether that's a classroom, in certain rooms, discussions, in clubs. There's a lot of um, stereotypes that are made to, you know, oppress people, especially Black people in South Africa. Like, oh, you know, Black people don't do ballet. They don't play on the water routine. And I was like, what? But I'm interested in those things. So I'll do those things. For me, I think it's very important that I remind myself that I should be in whatever room that I'm in and I don't have to defend it. And if people make me feel that way, then I try and reassess whether I want to be in that room. That is beautiful advice. So many people, me included, have experiences where we feel like the outsider. What advice do you have for someone 
who is feeling like an outsider? I think maybe taking a moment in the situation that you're in to think and remind yourself who you are and what you're about and try and focus on you. And one thing that I do if I'm feeling very stressed or very outside of the situation is that I try and breathe and think about my five senses. What can I see? What can I taste? What can I feel? So I can put myself back into my body and ground myself and say, this is where you're supposed to be. Wherever you are is where you're supposed to be. And you are here for a reason. And don't waste this opportunity that you have in front of you. I wonder how you start out when you're in a new place. What are some of the first things that you do? I would usually find a coffee shop. Uh, (laughs) Important. Very important. It's very important. (laughs) And I will kind of imagine myself in this life. Like, oh, this is where I go for coffee. This is where I do my groceries. This is, you know, the type of people that I'll see on the street. And it really helps, you know, imagining myself there, being a part of society, interacting with people. So that's, that's how I usually start out. And then I find an apartment and then I join a club. Um, I volunteer a lot. So I usually research, you know, different organizations I can contribute to before I get there. So uh, that's usually where I find all my friends and um, my tribe. Was there ever a time, because again, like you lived in several countries where it didn't come as easy as you thought it would? Yes. So um France is very difficult to integrate for anybody. Um, they have their established societies, their communities, their small groups. They're, they tend to, you know, kind of cluster around small groups of people that they've known for a very long time. Um, and the language barrier was the hardest for me, I thought. So I tended to stick around kind of um, international communities um and and a lot of refugees who were very helpful and gave me more than I gave back so I think that that's that's my experience in France it's not easy but if you work at it if you work really hard at it you can make a good group of you know French local people (laughs) what drew you to tech I think this this would have been uh, when I was young. Um, I think my my father had this computer that he'd work with, and <laughs> and I think he was on the computer, but he left this computer, and I was just fiddling around with it and just typing out random keys. And I didn't really understand what was going on, but I had sent a message to one of his colleagues and then he was confused. So he, <laughs> he called the home phone and I kind of watched back and I was like, I just communicated with someone who then picked up the phone to call me. And this was just kind of like a, a new concept to me that you could, you know, communicate with people and then you'd get a response, but like not in the same format in a different format. So it was kind of this connected world that I, Uh, I was really fascinated by. So I think I've always been trying to chase that dream of like a a more seamless, connected 
the kind of world that you can create in your own little bubble uh, with very little knowledge. So that's that's kind of how I got into it. That's a cool story. I love that. And did you find opposition as you continue to pursue that as as a woman? I think so. I think in a lot of male-dominated industries, you do find a lot of opposition. And it's not always in the ways that you expect. It's not like, oh, like no girls around. It's kind of subtle. It's these microaggressions that you'll, you know, be faced with. It's the meetings that you're not invited to. It's the, mm. the documents you're not copied into. So it's these small things that kind of add up to a larger industry of just being isolated and being othered because, you know, you're a woman. Um, I think it is so difficult to kind of pinpoint where it would be hard because it's it's not like you have a, dif- a different skill set. I mean, you're just equally as qualified. Uh, so it's kind of hard to pinpoint the specific biases that other people have inherently and to challenge them in the open so that you can have a clear discussion with them. So I think we have a long way to go when it comes to that. And I also believe in the way that we are creating tools and technology now is also uh, kind of going in a completely different way where a tool is a good tool if it's simple to use and it's easy Nowadays, we're just using language to kind of make it more difficult for people to understand what the tool does. There's all these features that make it um, not inclusive for everyone. Accessibility is bad. So I think the better a tool is, is simple, accessible to people. It's safe to use. So I think hopefully we'll be able to curb this kind of ongoing trend of excluding people. So in, in regards to just, you know, using your voice and, and speaking up and being confident, how can we all encourage other women and girls to confidently use their voice and claim their power? Women and girls should definitely look within themselves, believe in themselves and the fact that their voice is their power as well. And to um, take a stand for what they believe in, because it honestly just makes everything so much better. There's just so many incredible things that you said. And one of the things that stands out, um, and I think your parents said this to you, but it really stands out to me where you talk about, I belong everywhere and my voice belongs anywhere. Um, And that's just so powerful. Thank you so much for sharing your story. As always to our listeners, thank you for making the time to listen to this episode of the Power of Stories podcast. Thank you for such an amazing talk. I am so grateful to have had the opportunity to speak to you both. And I look forward to listening to more of your amazing podcasts. Essie, thank you so much for being here. I have learned a lot from you today and love the advice that you have given us all about our voice and our power. Yodit, I learn from you every day that we get to work on sayitforward.org. And a woman whose voice we don't hear in these podcasts, but who has a very important role is Lisa DeJavine, who is the co-producer and editor of the Power of Stories podcast. And to our listeners... 
we invite you to visit sayitforward.org, a place where you are welcome to share one or more stories about your unique path to empowerment. Or you can read the stories of other women and girls. This is Sharon Catherine D'Agostino and Yodit Kifle-Smith signing off for now and hoping you'll join us for our next episode of the Power of Stories podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we do hope you'll give us a review and recommend the Power of Stories to a friend. And lastly, we want to remind you of the power of your story.